Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 276 and it is Tuesday, March 20, March 15th, 2022. Carl, turn the volume down. <laughs> I thought I did. My bad. Amateur hour, people. Hey, hey, hey. But anyway, I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? That's right. And joining us live in the Codex Prime Zoom studios, we have returning uh, TJ Sterling, the creator of Okamus, the comic. And uh, we have Newton Lillevoix, the, the, the chief creative officer of Dream Theory Comics and the creator of, uh, well, collaborator of Crescent City Masters. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, hey thanks for having me. Yeah. Pleasure, pleasure to be here, gentlemen. Thank you for having me back. Oh, of course. Have uh, Victor Omayo, my G, you know what I'm saying? Carl, <laughs> when the bird is the word, you already know it. <laughs> He's done soup this up already. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're here. We're we're live. We're doing it. Uh, we're on Facebook Live. Uh, we're just going to, you know, talk shop about, you know, comics, you know, nerd, nerd culture stuff. You know, you know how we do every week. Um yeah, we'll, we'll talk a bit about what y'all been up to, how's life, and uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where the uh, conversation takes us, you know. And uh, you know, before we get started proper, uh, we just want to give a quick shout out to our uh, sponsor of the podcast, El Silk City Hot Sauce. Yes. Uh, Silk City Hot Sauce, they're a Vermont-based business. Um, you can, they have all sorts of unique flavors of hot sauce, from Erotic Fever to Jezebel to Badass Jew. And many other cool, uh, uh, unique, cool uh, hot sauces with unique names. They even have a maple syrup flavored hot sauce as well, which you can pour over any breakfast sandwich, and it's ten times better than it otherwise would be. Um, just go to SilkCityHotSauce.com, use the promo code Codex, that's C-O-D-E-X, and you'll get fifteen percent off of your order. That's SilkCityHotSauce.com, Codex, fifteen percent uh, at the checkout. Why don't you just do a why don't you just do a voice voiceover commercial for them? I should, but, <laughs> but you know. Oh, that, that sounds good. I'm I'm about to order online right I'm now. And listen, <laughs> listen, I did a wing night last uh, the I other night. It. Worth it. Yeah, they go really well with wings, as Carl can attest. Yes, air fryer wings. Mm, absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> But yeah, uh, TJ uh, Newton, how's uh, how's life in y'all's world? What's new? <laughs> good, good. So uh, you know, we're down to the last hours of our Kickstarter, um, our villainous Kickstarter. Uh, we surpassed our goal of eleven thousand. Right now, we're at sixteen one twenty-five. I'm looking right. at the numbers now, at four nine backers, and we've got. 13 hours left to go. So, you know, I'm feeling good, and I'm sure TJ's feeling good about that, too. All right, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been a grind, guys. Um, you know what I'm saying? I think we were, we were talking offline about this, but, um, you know, the uh, Kickstarter is always interesting. I think um, you never know when, uh, you know, what the wave is like, what the culture is like, you know, on any given month. Um, I think Newton and I typically drop projects during the summertime or during like, you know, like early spring or whatever. So we wanted to do something special for Black History Month. Uh, so we dropped our campaign on uh, February 22nd of the, you know, 2022. We were trying to line it up with the stars, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> uh, and really do something special. And, and we're just happy to be here to talk to you guys about it because, yeah, like Villainous, um, the Kickstarter is for a new graphic novel series that Newton and I have collaborated on. 
and it's uh, something that's kind of one of a kind, something that's never really been done in this particular space. So we're super excited about it. Yeah, I'm super excited. I already put my uh, copy on reserve. Once you send me the link, and I'm really excited to get my to get my copy. So uh, let's just st- uh, start this off. How did you two uh, link up? Yeah, so um, we've known each other for a while. We're, we're both independent comic book creators. Um, we both uh, attended um, a lot of the same cons. You know, TJ more so than I, because he's the hardest working man in the, in the indie comic business. <laughs> <laughs> that dude goes to almost every con. Um, so yeah, um, <clears throat> we've done a lot of cons together. Um, we've we've hung out together and. You know, um, I know uh, just from watching TJ, you know, he, he always, the way he moved business-wise, he was pretty much in line with, with um, the same way I moved. So, you know, um, when he approached me about, hey, let's let's collaborate on a story, you know, it was sort of a no-brainer because, you know, from the works that he's done with Alchemist and just um, the way he, he presents himself um, at cons and is his great salesmanship. It was like both creatively and business wise, it, you know, it was an absolute, you know, um, yes. Cause, uh, he, he's like, like I said, he, he and I, I think are in alignment in a lot of ways. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. You know, <laughs> let's, uh, let's create something beautiful. Yeah. I hear, yeah. I hear that. Cause I can, I can attest to that. Cause that's how, uh, TJ and I first met when, um, at Rhode Island comic con a few years ago. And, um, as I, you know, walking the foot, walking the floor, he stopped me. And then I, we had a small conversation. I picked up, uh, Okamis zero. He signed my copy and then he's been on, you know, this is the second time on the show. So we've been, you know, we link up, we, we link up every chance we get. So, um, what was the what's the inspiration? Actually, tell us about Villainous, the character and the story itself. Yeah, Villainous is a uh, sci-fi cyberpunk, uh, Afropunk noir crime story um, centered around the world's most notorious villain known as Shatter. Uh, Shatter is the quintessential anti-hero villain character that. Um, instead of like most heroes or even some anti-heroes that want to just reform or alter or change a system or make a system better, Shatter wants to completely destroy the system that is, you know, like a cancer of the uh, city of Demetropolis. Demetropolis is like a large, expansive megacity in the future, in the, the year 2156. Or was it 2156, Newton? I think it was 21-something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 23rd century or whatever. And, um, you know, we've got floating cars, we've got robots, we've got cyborgs, we've got, you know, um, hover bikes, you know what I'm saying? Any of the cool stuff that you guys love from the cyberpunk genre you're going to love, you know, is, is in this comic book. Um, we're, you know, huge, huge fans of, um, you know, like books like The Fifth Element or artists like Mobius and uh, we really wanted to kind of give people, um, you know, a, a dope story that also spoke on some social issues that talked about classism, that talked about racism, that talked about um, all the isms, you know, indirectly, uh, and just, you know, what it looks like for people to live in a city that's become completely overrun by politics and corporations. So um, it's really an interesting, you know, um, look into this world, but it's also 
really dope because you're not just getting one comic book with this offering. You're getting three, whether you pledge for a physical printed graphic novel that has three comics in it, or you go for the digital version, you get three comics. And that's really like a big chunk of the story, like right up front. And of course, I love my physical media. That's the one I chose. So uh, if we pr- if we pledge for these, will we get our will we get our copies signed? Of course, man. All right, cool. We'll, we'll sign twice if you want. All right, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So, um, what was the um, what was the inspiration for the character? I think you kind of mentioned it, but yeah. So we wanted to create a, an anti-hero. You know, we wanted to create someone who who was atypical, you know, um, as, you know, most anti-heroes are, you know, um, you look at uh, Lobo, you look at um, uh, Deadpool, you know, they're, they're very different and unique. Um, and Shatter is, you know, even on, on that same mold, he's he's somebody who sits in between the good guys and the bad guys, right? Because he... He's that guy. He's that. He's that one person who wants to destroy the system, right? Um, but uh, the typical good guy in our, um, like in our, in our story, we have a uh, destruct, right? They're the rebel organization fighting against this um, oppressive government, right? So you know they're the good guys, right? But the way they they operate is they they're secretive. Um, they're trying to um, they they they're, they're they're saying the system's broken and they want to fix it, right? Um, but Shatter's like, um, the system's broken, yes, but I want to tear it down. So a lot of what Shatter, even though Shatter's fighting against the oppressive system too, he bumps head with the good guys, right? Because he's, he's, he's at the point where he's, he's doing these chaotic things that interferes with uh, Destruct's plans, right? So there's that friction in, in their button heads. So he's, he kind of sits in the middle, you know, he's, he's aggravating both sides, you know, and so... Um, he's, he's, he's dangerous because as time goes along, people, um, relate to his anger because he's, he's got this anger that just, just won't go away, you know, like the Incredible Hulk where he's always angry. So, you know, um, Shadow has this, this, this anger. And so he's, he's trying to, um, destroy the system. So the inspiration came from, um, creating a character like that. And at the same time, it also came from, uh, the, the, what was going on at that time when we did come up with the story with uh, what happened to George Floyd. And so, you know, with the protests going on, you know, we wanted to have a, a story that reflected what was going on, because even though currently Trump is out of office, you know, the battle is still going on. The war is still going on. You know, he might have lost the battle in that sense, but, you know, he's a Biden barely won. Right. Um, in my book, like, so there's a large portion of the country that feels the same way that um, Trump does, right? So we asked ourselves, well, what if um, in the future Trump becomes uh, the, the uh, George Washington version? He ushers this whole new era and um, he becomes the hero. And so um, they changed the narrative. So the typical people that we expect to be the good guys are now the bad guys, right? Um, yeah. Thus, you know, the play in words on the title of the book, Villain Us, right? Um, there's this narrative or this attempt to always villainize minorities and, and or just um, people in, in the lower class. So so um, that's that's where the inspiration comes from, you know, both uh, trying to create an anti-hero character and, and the current environment going on. Gotcha. So, like, um, 
did you find like say the um like the city takes place or the setting, uh, the metropolis, uh, did you find any inspiration for like how the city looks in other mediums? Like for instance, uh, Wakanda, what you saw, what we saw in the movie was actually modeled by uh, Machu Picchu. So was there like a similar uh, inspiration from that? I mean, I would say that, um, you know, we, you know, during the, cause we really focused on creating the characters first and that was, you know, Shatter and Malik F. Doom. Um, the, the, you know, Destruct, Prospects, uh, um, uh, what is it called, Major Strom, all the, you know, cat, you know okay, the support of the cast, you know what I'm saying? Right. We, we focused on creating them, and then once we started getting the overall look for each character and how we wanted them to kind of, you know, feel, um, we started to have the artists, you know, build, you know, the cityscapes, and really it was, you know, referencing, again, you know, you know the great Mobius, uh, you know, who was, you know, the lead designer for the Fifth Element movie and, and you know, um, so many other great, I mean, shoot, uh, the, the guy who created Akira, which I can't think of his name. Um, but yeah, the, you know, things like that, man, I think we just wanted a, a, a big, lush, chaotic city that was futuristic and um, progressive, but at the same time ran by corporations. I think that's the biggest thing that we're trying to, um, showcase with this story is that, you know, it's a question like what happens when, you know, if someone like Trump wins or, you know, they begin to privatize these institutions that are government or state and local related, like law enforcement, if law enforcement becomes privatized to a point where it is, you know, part of a corporation now, what type of oppression you know, could come from that, what type of violence could come from that, because corporate interests are almost more than human interests. Well, they're, they're typically more than human interests, especially now it's kind of going in that direction. So, um, yeah, man, just making the city, a, not just a backdrop, but a character as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point, that makes me think of, um, RoboCop where, um, OCP, uh, pri privatized the cops and that's why they were able to like make, like cyborg cops out of out of the corpses of like dead officers like that like the, the like the title character so maybe that struck me how dystopian that uh that that was and basically how we're, we're not seeing maybe we're not we're not seeing that to the extreme in, in real life but we are seeing how you know corporations are you know essentially they're people they're considered people legally which is which is rather disturbing <laughs> you know but yeah man I think it's just interesting because, you know, a character like Shatter is really the only character that could stand in, in the way of uh, an engine that large, you know what I'm saying? But he, he, he definitely needs help. He, you know, and, you know, he's got an uneasy relationship, but a um, partnership with, you know, the rebel organization known as Destruct. He doesn't work for them, but he kind of works with them. And, you know, because he goes places that they can't really go. But he's just not like the most likable dude. And I think what people... Walk, like read through the book they're going to see why they can't really like shatter but then they can't unlike shatter either um there's just a lot of interesting dynamics to his character interesting and like in 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 your in your experience as you're as you're as you're putting together this story um like for, and for the both of you like what 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 do you think makes a good anti-hero like what are what do you think are the, like the core elements that would make an anti-hero like really uh resonate with readers yeah, so, you know, I guess it goes without saying, he, the anti-hero definitely has to be someone different, like, like 
he's not following the same moral code as other heroes, right? Um, but he's also he's also have to. He, there's always got to be something that drives him, right? That almost makes him almost makes him seem like a noble person, you know? That makes like the reader really want to connect to them, even though they may be like this really bad person. They may be like this little little part of their personality that people, even though the they're doing these crazy chaotic things and you may not necessarily agree with it. There's a part of them that you, you're thinking like, you know, I, I could kind of see where he's going with that. You know, that, that kind of makes sense. Um, so if you have that, something that the, the reader can grab on to, then yeah, you'll have a really great anti-hero. Thanks. Right. Now is, uh, is villainous in the same uh, universe as Okamis? It's not, man. I mean, this is a uh, Dream Fury Ray Comics collaboration to the fullest, so it's like a brand new universe. Um, you know, we Nuna and I have had discussions about somehow meshing our, our universes or putting some type of, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, collaborative story, in, you know, in the future. So we'll see, man. But right now, it's just like it's a it's a dope side story. Yeah, I got it. Because it, it kind of looked, I mean, Okamis was part, you know, more for, like, present time, but I can just see this in a dystopian future and stuff. So it's like, you know, I'm, like, as I was reading, like, what it was about and stuff and listening, and I'm like, okay, how can we, you know, connect the two universes and stuff? But I see where, you, I see where you're getting at. Um, so, uh, like, other, you know, have you guys gotten any inspiration from, like, other... Um, like independent comic creators or or have you even um like caught um offered to collaborate with other independent creators um i'm gonna quickly answer that one noon um you know shoot man uh there's a lot of great independent creators out there but i mean i guess when i'm well for sure when i'm creating my own books or my own stories i kind of have blinders on i don't really see anything else and i think i definitely kind of got into that zone when we were creating villainous. We were just like, how do we make something that is completely different from what we've already done in our own wheelhouse, but also something that is not on the black indie comics. Well, really, you know, cause there are other indie cyberpunk comics, but like, how do we make it, you know, something that's completely different for the black indie comic space that, you know, people haven't seen. Cause uh, I don't know. I, I just like to keep folks guessing. You know, when people, when Joystick Angels came out, there was nothing like that on the market, space opera wise, in black indie comics. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I just wanted to do something very similar to that with that, with this one that I did with that one. Okay. And is Joystick Angels available on trade? Um, Joystick Angels is not. Joystick Angels was more of uh, an experimental thing where we were. Uh, we did one issue. We only did one issue and then a soundtrack to go along with it. And because the numbers got crazy, which I think you saw, Carl, um, we're going to do issue two. And issue two is already in production. It's already, the wheels are already turning on it. And that's going to be an ongoing series for sure. Busy. Jesus. <laughs> and like, and, and, and thinking about the the world of uh, a villainous as well um like what do you what do you guys think um like how did how did you approach uh making this dystopian a dystopian environment i know you guys touched on this a little bit but um like because because with cyberpunk i think cyberpunk has always delved into like dystopia dystopias or like for example like blade runner um like 
altered carbon and 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 many others um like diving into like diving into uh your story how did you go about like thinking about shaping uh or world building um this uh the, the setting of this uh story um like besides like drawing on the you know current issues and themes of today yeah so um with that you know we like to focus on you know um social and political impacts of you know certain things right so like for example in our world you have cyborgs right and, and typically in sci-fi cyborgs sometimes are you know these cool guys with like these uh, uh machine hands or, or robotic parts and they could do these really enhanced stuff and for the most part you know cyborgs are, are kind of cool or um at least interesting characters but we we kind of flipped it where um the um being a cyborg in in our world was something like um it represented your class right because um poor people can't afford the more bioengineered you know um body parts or you know um things that you know are, are cloned and um so they 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 end up using cyber cybernetic parts made out of metal right so um that's that's a form of classism there in our books uh, cyborgs are discriminated against right um and the interesting thing about that dynamic is while we were creating it it was it was interesting because you know as as black people it's easy to discriminate um visually right you can um see when somebody's black right like their ethnicity um and so the same thing with a cyborg right you can always see for the most part you can see their cybernetic parts and so it's easy to discriminate against them you know this um you know so it you know that's one of the aspects that that we try to to create and you know we're constantly asking ourselves well in this world what would be different if you know um I going back to what we said earlier what would be different if Trump won right um what would that world look like so we use that as as a guide to kind of help shape the world um so um so that helps out a lot to kind of to to make it a little different than you know your typical dystopia um, thing or just give it a little different flavor indeed yeah. and um it's been speaking and it's also just speaking of like other think about like other works like are there any any like science fiction or 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 otherwise dystopian works that that you two also enjoy or also kind of like think about like maybe not either either as used as a reference point for your creation or just something that you enjoy in general yes yeah, it's, it's something that um i enjoy in, in general um i really like apocalyptic stories because um i you know because it it's to me they they're almost horror stories because <laughs> it's like yes. and i always ask myself like man what would i do if the world was that fucked up you know what i mean i'm always <laughs> like it's like you know would i be like one of the first people to die would i just you know um just say the hell with it and slit my throat and say i can't live like this <laughs> you know so um you know it's always you know that that kind of story those kind of stories kind of um they're they're similar to dystopian stories um not quite but um you know it's like dystopian stories are on their way to pop apocalyptic uh, uh events but um yeah so and i've always been uh, attracted to uh like dark stories dark gritty stories um you know my series crescent city monsters is is a dark gritty story um and you know uh, no matter what genre it is you know um like i always lean into that whether it's 
um, horror, supernatural, or sci-fi. You know, I always lean into the more um, grittier stories. And what's great about like the the apocalyptic setting is that it can literally just be like anything. Yeah. You know, you can set it set it in modern times. It could be in a zombie apocalypse, or even in just like a huge catastrophic event, and it's just a fight for survival. I mean, no matter what, it seems like it's gonna be any some type of fight for survival. But it just seems like you can. It seems like the 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 possibilities are endless when it comes to like those type of um those type of stories. And you can even like even an apocalyptic story could be a post apocalyptic story, be even a happy story. Never saw one, probably wouldn't work anyway, but <laughs> it's possible, you know. Yeah. You mean you never saw Waterworld? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Waterworld was, you, know, you know, it's funny. I, I saw Waterworld recently. I saw the, the three-hour Ulysses cut. Uh, it, was actually, oh, really? it was actually pretty good. Does yeah. it still hold up? I think so. Like, like I think I think Waterworld was... It was it was unfairly maligned, I thought, in its day, because it, it received a ton of hype, and at the time it was the most expensive movie ever made. And and because of that, um, you know, people were ready to to dogpile on it as soon as it hit theaters. But I, th- I think I think nowadays it's got it's gotten a cult following. It, it does hold up if you watch a three hour cut. Rather, it's it's the best version. Nice. Yeah. Me. Watched that long ago. I'm sorry, I interrupted your question, guys. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. What were you saying today? Hey, I, I totally agree. I had recently watched um, the regular cut of Waterworld, and yeah, it's a damn good movie. I definitely think the concept is extremely interesting, and you know, to me, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of films like that. I mean, again, you know, I'm just a big sci-fi head, and I just love post-apocalyptic stuff. You know, what I'm saying I'm a huge fan of like The Matrix, and you know, um, even movies like Johnny Mnemonic, which um, you know wasn't a great movie it wasn't really all that good but the concept was very very interesting to me like the visuals and just what that world looked like and again um akira uh shoot you know fifth element just really just anything where the future was involved and you know cool shit was happening so i think that's a lot of that life and um inspiration that you know um, struck me i tried to put into this story in terms of like the, the visual stuff um, you know, articulating that to the artist, writing it, in, you know, into the actual script itself. Um, me and Newton, you know, co-wrote this book together as mm-hmm. a team. So he's had certain sections and I've had certain sections. And we combine them like Legos. So um, it's it's been fun, man. You guys are going to like this story. It really kind of catches you off guard. You're not going to expect what we're about to give you for sure. Oh, I definitely can't wait. I mean, I just had a <laughs> I just oh so when it comes to your art TJ do you usually uh, go uh, digital or are you more uh, traditional? So for villainous, I actually haven't drawn anything. Um, and as my company starts to grow, I'm drawing less stuff because I'm running the business even more. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But if we're rewinding the tape and we're talking about Okamis, um as a series, I'm the writer and artist on that series, and I'm completely 100% a digital artist now. Right. Yeah, and and and, and you, what is it about the like working digitally that you that you enjoy the most, as opposed to like the the old tried and true methods of like pen and paper? Um, it's cleaner, it's uh, more streamlined. Uh, you know, if I've got edits or changes I need to make from, and you know, uh, I can make them in a matter of moments. I mean, Command Z and Edit Undo is like you know 
your best friend, your digital artist to be. <laughs> I will. I mean, penciling, like you lock it down and just like ride out with it, whether it's good or not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you could erase it, but the weird part about it, there's a psychology to it. You are erasing and erasing and erasing over and over and over again. And you have to go through that arduous process of like laying down artwork and then, you know, creating something from that inspiration and then removing it versus digital. You can draw on various different layers and, you know, this psychology, because you know that it's easier to use and it's more friendly to use, it makes you more engaged and locked into the art artistic process of drawing. So at least in my, in my personal experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so what, so what is it like when, cause I know, you know, when it comes to like writer's block, um, when it's just yourself, you know, you, you know, that's something that you can kind of take a p accountability on and stuff. But when it comes to like writing with someone else and then somebody comes up with writer's block or maybe even a situation where the both of you come up with writer's block, like how do you, how would you two particularly handle that situation? Um, to be honest, I, for this story, we haven't really come up with writer's block. Really? Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, no writer's block really. Maybe it's just a matter of timing. And, and the thing is, we both uh, work on, you know, our other side projects. So it's not like, um, you know, we're constantly thinking about villainous. So I think the fact that we have other projects kind of help refresh our mind. And so when we we're back on villainous, like when we meet up and we're talking about what we're going to do next, it's, it's something new, you know, so it, and then it's fresh. So it's like, all right, you know, um, I've been working on Crescent City Monsters for a while, but now I'm switching back to um, to Villainous, and, you know, it, it feels like, okay, this is something new. My brain is kind of, like, a little bit more excited about this because I haven't been working on it for a while. It's not, like, day in and day out. Yeah. I'm working on Villainous. So, um, so far, you know, we, we haven't had any really um, writer's block. We, I think that's the best part about... Um, collaborating together because we we can feed off each other you know um we'll be spitting out ideas out and we're like what about if we do this and then um you know and then uh there might be like one part of what we said that is like oh that oh, that thing that you said there what if we expand on that and we focus on this and we can apply that to the previous chapter that we, you know so it, it flows like that and it, um the collaboration um is good in that sense because typically you know, when I write solo and I have to solve a problem in my head, it takes a while. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, oh man, like, you know, I gotta go walk my dog and then maybe that might not work. I can't think of anything. Right. So I gotta like, you know, process what I need to do to, to, cause you know, when you write, you know, you, it's, it's like, and it's almost like, so I'm a computer programmer, like my regular nine to five and, you know, I write code and sometimes you have to, you have to debug and fix a problem. It's almost the same process for like writing. It's like you have this problem and you need to fix it. So you like you're thinking like, okay, what can I do to um, to to move the story along, um, to make sure that you know everything's going smooth? Because you know um, you can just throw anything out there, but you need to throw something really good. That makes sense, right? So yeah. So um, <clears throat> it's the same process, but when when you have, I found that, you know, when it's two people, it's easier to resolve problems um, that you may have because the other person is thinking of something that 
you may not have. Um, but I mean, if TJ wants to add to that, you know, that's that's from from my perspective, that's it's you know the writer's block hasn't really been an issue. Yeah, I agree. It's um, you got two people in a room. You know, you come up with ideas pretty quickly, and you know, um, the beautiful part about it is you're just feeding off of the other creative energy, so it can easily give you, you know, another thing to jump at. So it's been dope, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, co-creator on this this series for sure. Yeah. So tell us about the artists that you guys uh, collaborated with for this uh, project. So you said you did none of the art, TJ. Yeah, I didn't do any of the art at this time. Again, um, you know, similar to Joystick Angels, I served as just a writer and a creative director and, you know, character designer, really. Um, and same thing with Villainous. We hired uh, two different artists. The first artist we had was a guy named Edgy Zion, who's a French uh, guy out of France. And um, he did the very first volume, um, which was issue one of Villainous. And then um, for issue two and three, um, we got a different artist, a guy named Solomon Farias, and he's a uh, gentleman out of Chile. And um, he does some absolutely incredible cyberpunk, uh, you know, style stories. Like, I mean, the reason why we picked him is because cyberpunk is kind of his forte. He just knows how to draw buildings and backgrounds and characters and ships and, and anything mechanical. He does really, really well, so... Um, we've got uh, the colorist from Joystick Angels um, actually came back for this book, and that's Loris Ravina out of Italy. Um, so we got a really fantastic all-star team that are just making these pages look incredible. And so it's a visual treat, you know, from the colors all the way down to the pencils and the storytelling. So you guys can't go wrong. Yeah. How did you link up with them? Um, just just being around, man, being around the industry. I mean, uh, I mean, Newton, well, I guess Newton, you can speak to this, but yeah, Newton knew Salo. Um, we we th- found Ed through, I think, DeviantArt or something like that, or ArtStation, one of the two. And again, Loris has done a whole bunch of work for me in the past. So like, again, it's just your personal Rolodex and then, you know, whoever else you can you can find that strikes the chord. So, yeah, no, I, I can see what I can see that because you know, especially with as much as you uh, travel with the cons, which is another thing. Um, I remember hearing somebody uh, mention that the way like you know comic book uh, creators like hustle their comics uh, at you know various cons was very similar to um, how rappers would uh, shop their demo tape around you know from the trunks of their cars at various you know concerts or you know hip-hop events uh would you say would you like agree with that sentiment say how um similar the two are yeah um yeah i always uh i always kind of it always feels like you know the um how can i say this so it always feels like when when i listen to a a rap song it feels and you know they they talk about hustling you know it's not the same type of hustling that was you know for same kind of product that we're hustling Right. But it feels like right. the same kind of mentality, you know, right. like you're, you're grinding, you're, you're trying hard to actually um, push a product and you, you're going to try to do that by any means necessary. I mean, in our case, any legal means necessary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, and the, 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 the pages, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 So yeah, it feels it, you know it it, it kind of feels like the same thing and um and it's not even just a hustle too. It feels like it feels like you know sometimes like we're like 
I don't know, like you, you kind of represent us like as different rappers because everybody, every comic book has its own different style, right? Just like rappers have their own different style. So, right. and then you know, um, you have like lyricists, you know, some of the greatest lyricists, but each of them have their own different styles, and it feels like right now, you know, that's where we're at with um, black indie comic creators, right? We have these these great lyricists and artists who's producing some really top notch stuff and you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're all on this, this, this same level and we're producing this, this, this great work. So it feels like, I'm not sure if you could call it like a golden era of black indie because, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of um, black creators that came before us and right. they were doing their thing too. But at this time, it seems like um, I'm saying the golden era because it seems like there's, there's a whole lot more of us doing this, you know, and the, the quality that we're doing it as is at such a, a high level. I mean, it really Marvel, um, it really rivals Marvel and DC. You know, um, we're you know at times we're either at their level or we're just I think surpassed it. You know, so um, the stuff that we're producing is is amazing. Um, that's why a lot of the creators that we know, TJ and I know, they they're getting like record deals. You know, I'm not record deals. Right. <laughs> I'm still in the same mindset. <laughs> they're, they're getting movie deals, right? So. It's like it's like um, you know we're being recognized for it. And then, you know, there's that 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 quality. We, we've raised the bar in terms of um, the number of books and the quality that's coming out. And you know, it's absolutely amazing. You know, if I was, you know, if I was a comic book collector, I'd be looking at at this um, the black indie scene really hard because there's going to be you know you're going to look back at at this uh, 10, 15 years and they're going to be like oh you know. You're either going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I knew about this and, you know, I've got these books, these rare books that, you know, that they don't have now. Or you're going to be like, man, you know, how, how come I didn't know about this? You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, you want to be on the side that, you know, you, you you know what's up, that you know what's going on. So, yes. Yeah. So who would you uh, recommend as far as like some black indie uh, comic creators and uh, some some uh, titles? that are out there right now, some that you guys have read and enjoyed? Um, there's a lot. There's Yeah, there's tons, man. That, that'd probably be a whole other conversation. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, key, every, like everybody who's watching this, like, let's, let's you know, check out Villainous, man. First and foremost, <laughs> check that out. Well, definitely. That, yeah. I mean, there's like, I don't know, 14 or 15 hours left on the campaign. Get on that comic series while you can. And, you know, the beautiful part about it is that you can get all of the previous titles from either one either one of us, whether you want to get previous rated comics titles like Okamist or Joystick Angels, all that's available via the Kickstarter. If you want to grab some stuff from Drake Dream Fury Comics, all of his entire collection is on the Kickstarter, so it's perfect time to get into two amazing black indie comic companies that are really doing something special. So I encourage y'all to check out the campaign ASAP. You hear that, Vic? <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> yeah, I already. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and speaking of um, uh, black uh, black indie comic creators as well as titles, um, I know one one that comes to mind. Um, actually, two that come to mind that I would recommend if 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 you two gentlemen are familiar. One is from Image Comics, Bitter Root. 
which which is a uh, which is in, which has been pretty terrific. Um, I'm not sure if they're gonna I'm not sure if they've ended their run or if or if they're taking a hiatus, but it's it's remarkable for what they've what they've been able to put out. Another really good yeah, one. I have Walker and Sanford Green and Chuck Brown cast yes. together are geniuses. David F. Walker, what's up? Yes. Chuck Brown. Oh man, yeah, and, and yeah. Side note: If we could get them on the show, that'd be great. But uh, <laughs> don't tell me I will, I will work on it. All right, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Plus, I plus I love the their essays at, at the end of each uh, issue. Um, another really good one too that I recommend is from Tim Fielder. Um, it's a graphic novel called Infinitum. Uh, I don't know if you either of you have heard of that one. Yeah, I read that. Thing. That thing is mind blowing. I love that book, man. It's great. Yeah, that that was that was absolutely phenomenal. I I I actually checked checked out I checked out a copy at my local library and I'm like, what? This is man, this is like fantastic. It's kind of like a kind of like a big like a time traveling through line. Um, and and just the, just the concept that it explored was it was a really good example of like that Afrofuturist um uh, storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, that that's definitely futuristic. I mean, and you can't even really describe the story. It's like, like you explain the story because it's just like it's like something that's like okay, I, like yeah, I've, I've never I've never read anything like it. And you know, Tim's artwork was was amazing too. Nice book too. It's like hardcover, yep. amazing. Yeah, I actually don't own a copy of that. I'm aware of it, but it's on my list. So, you know, shout out to Tim. I'm definitely going to be getting that book after this call. So, um, actually, I just wrote it down myself. Um, are there any other uh, collaborators that you guys would like to work with? Yeah. Um, I was going to quickly say that um, me and uh, brother Greg Anderson Lise of uh, It's Not on the Weird Spider, if you guys are familiar with him, but he's an incredible writer and storyteller. and He's one of the most unique guys in comics. His stories are some of the most unique, just like Newton's. And um, I've had the pleasure of working with him. We're working on a book um, called Aliens, Pimps, and Genies. It's a, like it's it. a uh, like dark, weird, sex comedy sci-fi book, which um, we're super excited about working on that. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say I'd love to work with you know more people if it just if it feels natural. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, Newton, what do you think? Well, you, you you and Greg about to do something too, right? Yeah, me and Greg's supposed to be working on something, but you know the guy's always busy. Um, we just it, we've got like the the skeleton of the story down. Um, we think because both of us uh, already have that supernatural horror genre kind of um thing, so we're we're thinking about um, writing a story on that um, based based on uh, two uh, female detectives. Um, and so, you know, kind of, we're still working on that, fleshing that idea out. Um, <clears throat> I might, so yeah, so, and there's a possibility. I usually don't announce stuff like this because it's really early, but you know, there's a, there's a possibility that Keith Cross and I could be working on something. Oh, um, I'm not familiar with Keith Cross. He's the creator of Day Black, um, amazing artist um he too is in the guys in comics too man he's a good good dude yeah yeah he's, he's a really really good dude um yeah so he's um <clears throat> so we, we were talking about collaborating on something the interesting thing about uh keith cross is his um 
his imagination is crazy, man. <laughs> it's like, like it, you know, he, it's like, so, you know, I could think of like unique stories, but they're still kind of grounded. But, you know, Keith Cross's story sound like he was really smoking something when he thought of it. <laughs> 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 Yo, how did you even think of that? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, you know, that might be something, but it's not, you know, there's, there's no like, um, <clears throat> like, uh, how could I say this? Like, you know, super definite plans, but you know, that, that might be happening soon or, um, in the near future. Okay. So, so for you guys, what is like the most, like the most fun part of a uh, comic creating, like the part that you enjoy the most? Just seeing the, the script come to life, man. I mean, you know, I mean, well, really, I would even say before that is seeing the character designs, because, I mean, that's like the, the, the gasoline on the, on the wood right there. I mean, you know, the wood is the script, and we just got done chopping the tree down and, you know, stacking it up so there's a nice little foundation. And then, you know, we start getting the character designs coming in, and then we start to kind of visualize what this world and, and the people in it look like. And then the the... the the, the art starts being drawn. It's just like Newton and I get wowed every time we get a new page from Solo, man. Our, our current interior penciler, he's just so fucking dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just that guy. Like, when it comes to sci-fi, you know, cyberpunk books, like, he's literally probably the best out there right now. And um, I'm just, yeah, just, I get blown away every time I see his work, man. So I'm just, the process of receiving the art. Yeah, same here. Like every time you get a new page, it feels like Christmas. It's like, like oh snap! You know? So it's like, and you get to see how the artist um, rendered your 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 pages, you know, which is which is always a cool feeling. Um, I just absolutely love it. Um, and then the second, I think, thing the best thing is when when you actually get the book, the physical book, and uh, when you actually print the physical book, that's um that's just like an amazing feeling. Um, I don't think I can ever, ever, <laughs> ever like take that for granted. Cause you know, it's like you, you have this book and it's something you create and you flip through the pages and you're like, wow, you know, you hold, you can actually hold the, the hard work in your hand, you know? So, um, and then, you know, just being able, once you have the physical book, you can, you can just share it with the world, you know, you can like. Here's a copy of my book. Here's a copy. You know, it's like, so, you know, that's, that's a great feeling. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like one of the best feelings. Um, yeah, I remember when I first, my first printing, I was like, I was like, you know, a little tear came to my eye. Oh, my God. (laughs) But yeah, it was, uh, it was like a great feeling. It does, yeah, it does sound like that. Like I can just imagine, like when you just like open those pages, and then you just you get that. You know how when you get that fresh new book, and then you just there's a smell that comes to it. Yeah, and yeah, it just yeah, kind of hits you, and you just want to like smile. So, so I mean, there goes my cut. There goes my um, next question. If you prefer uh, digital or like physical medium, because that to me, there's just nothing like physical medium. Like I'm a I'm a collector myself, and I just like there's some there's something about just holding it instead of just scrolling. We scroll on our phones all day, so I mean, yeah, for me it's um, it's like uh, I've I've learned to love digital, right? Because turns out that now my 
digital collection is way larger than my physical collection, right? Right. Um, and while I read a comic book, if I read a digital comic book that I, I'm just like, I just love, you know, I will buy the physical book because, you know, that's, that's my preference. I'm like, I rather, if I, if I, if I really love it that much, I'll, I'll, I'll buy the physical book. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, I, I still like digital because, you know, they, they still do some cool things with how they do the panels, the dynamic panels sometimes. So if like, if you don't want to read it page by page, you can read it by panel by panel. That's kind of cool. And plus, you know, with digital, you, you save, um, you save space, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> boxes. Um, and you know, sometimes I, I catch it, you know, on sale, like comiXology, um, you know, those, those, those big sales that they have. Right. So, um, thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if you can see, but yeah, I still have my, my, my books here that, you know, that, you know, I can't live without. So yeah, I, I like both the physical and the, um, the digital um, versions. Yeah, yeah. I'm also more of a, a physical uh, media collector as well. Um, I, I although I really do appreciate like because I'm a, I'm a huge film buff, so like I appreciate a lot of like great uh, films that are available like on streaming streaming platforms. But if there's like one that's that really that really grabs me, that really hits me, that like, like I need to seek out the physical copy. And if there's like a uh, fancy fancy uh, special edition, <laughs> I will I'll, I'll I'll spring for that as well. So, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's always a space for physical media, even if, even if we get into like, you know, well into this century, I think there's always going to be a space for that. I mean, even vinyl records are still a thing. Yeah. And I think that, uh, even, even I saw Newberry Comics, they're bringing back cassette, old cassettes, like for like new albums, like, like a really niche thing to like retro thing to bring back. I don't know if they're going to bring back eight tracks, but that's going to be a thing to see. <laughs> Yeah, the, the one cool thing about cassettes that I say is, um, so, you know, back in the days when they had the mixtapes, and you yes. used to have cassettes, right? Sometimes, you know, you could only get a particular mixtape, you know, somewhere else that was, like, rare. You had to go find it, you know. They, even though they would bootleg and make copies of it, some of them were rare. Like, they, you had to actually go physically hunt for a cassette tape, right? So... When you think about that aspect of the, the cassette tape, you know, it wasn't really for CDs. I think by the time the CDs came out, it wasn't, you didn't really have to hunt for a CD. It wasn't like the same right. uh, with the tapes. Um, so I think that aspect of it is kind of cool because not, because now you're, you're, you're kind of like this, in this, this like kind of like what you said in the niche world or underground world where people appreciate this thing and there's only one way to get it. And this is a physical way. It's not like you could easily go online and download it. So, I can see why tapes would come back just because of that aspect, you know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, um, the fact that there's not a lot of tape players anymore, <laughs> you can, um, and it's, it's kind of like, it's more of like that exclusive thing, you know, like sometimes, you know, you just want to, you don't want to do everything that everybody else is doing. You want to, you know, a lot of people who, who want to feel like real or, you know, um, dedicated to the art or the artist. They they want something special about it, something that not the mass the masses are um, are doing something different, and you know, I guess I could definitely see why cassettes would um would play into that. And the the one thing too, going back to the physical versus the digital comics is the one thing I'm not sure if it's the same with you guys, but when I read a book, the physical book and the um 
the electronic version, it's different. It's like not just different, like in like um, just because it's digital and physical, but like reading it is different. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like for some reason, like I might catch or look at the artwork a little different on the physical um, book than the digital. Not you know, not to say one is better than the other, but the 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 feel is like really different. Like you know, in the way. I process the the artwork and the story. It's like two different feels. Like sometimes, like the feels are are, are different. I'm not sure why. Even though you're you're reading and looking at the same piece of artwork. Yeah, me and my girl was talking about that. The uh, we was talking about that about a week ago, and it, but it was more of the difference between like physical media and like audiobooks. It's just like you don't really necessarily process it the same, you know. Like I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts, and but I'm like. I argue back with the podcast in my, in my car. Yeah, it look crazy to everybody, but I mean, it's something I do. And then I would end up doing that if I was listening to an audio book, where it's like where I'm holding a physical piece of, a physical piece of media. I'm just like, I'm like more, um, it's like I'm more inversed into that universe that they're, that they're telling. Whereas like if I'm listening to it, I can get much more easier, easily distracted. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big audiobook person too. I was, uh, and it's, it's, um, and you know what? It helped me uh, listen more um, because I used to really have a short attention span. <laughs> People talk, you talk for more than two minutes, I'd start. <laughs> yeah, I still do. <laughs> but once, um, but it helped train me really because um, I started listening to once, like maybe like three, four years ago, once I started listening to podcasts and audiobooks, like I can, actually like listen to people a lot longer than I used to before, you know, which also um, helps out in the personal life and at work. Now I'm in meetings. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like actually able to focus on what people are saying, but you know, it's, it's, but it's a great exercise and it's a, it's a, it's a, the audio part is, is a good way to, um, to process information. It's an interesting way because you, now you're, you're, you're processing it differently and, and you're right in that respect. It would be, it, it's always different than when you're reading the book, you know, because um, you, you're processing it and the way you, you absorb the information and retain it and maybe even think about it. Because when you're listening to stuff, it's a little bit more passive and maybe you can really think about like what they're, um, they're saying while they're talking. When you're right. reading, I think it's, it's more like you're, you're more focused. So you're processing it, but you might not really de- think about it deeply, at least for me. You know that that's the one thing I find about audiobooks. So I, I don't know. Maybe we might make a villainous audiobook. What do you think, TJ? Sounds great to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like y'all could just take all y'all could take Oakum. I mean, now well, Oakum is still in villainous and just put it on like all different types of platforms where like I can just as judging from the artwork that I've seen, like I can just see I can picture villainous being like an amazing like animated movie. That's all. I'll try yeah, my hand I mean, to some voiceover work. <laughs> we, we need everybody who's watching the video to go to the Kickstarter and help us get these numbers up so we can do more. We can give you guys more issues and more stories and more everything. But, you know, it starts with the capital and the support. And, you know, you guys have always supported us. So uh, we definitely appreciate it. But, you know, uh, jump on this one as well. You're going to love it. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I still got to catch up on Okamis. Like, I think I still have, I think I'm up to, like, issue four. Four and out of it's out of what six, I believe. Yeah, five just dropped last year, so oh, okay. I mean, you can 
you can get five on this campaign. Actually, it's part of, you know, it's an add on. So, I mean, you know, or you can go to my website, ratecomics.com and get it there. Um, so, yeah, there, there's plenty. There's definitely plenty. Yeah, and I do want to get joystick. I I do want to get joystick angels as well too. So. Oh man. <laughs> I know I slacked a bit. <laughs> oh man. Uh, um, thinking about this, uh, what uh, what advice uh, would you would would uh would you both have, if any, for anybody who's looking to either like uh, start writing writing uh, uh, stories or not just comics, but like. Um, either like whether it's like writing stories, um, writing a comics narrative, or even drawing, or even um, somebody who wants to like get into um, get into like creative writing, essentially like similar similar to what to what you guys do. Um, maybe not, maybe not necessarily on a professional level, but even just for fun. Um, it could be anybody. Could be either, whether it's a young young kid watching or someone our age, someone who hosts a podcast. What advice would you give for them? Yes, please. <laughs> Just, just start, man. Just, just work. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's. I think people just have these ideas, and they, you know, like oh, I have an idea for this, and they want to tell everybody about the idea. But um, you know, write all your ideas down. You know, don't share a whole bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? Keep them close to your chest, and then you know, do your homework. Because if like, hey, I want to write a cyberpunk comic, like research as much cyberpunk as you can, so you're completely you know, like fully aware of like what those worlds look like and what they're about. And then, you know, start writing and then start drawing and just, just start, you know what I'm saying? Just like do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, same piece of advice here. Um, just start writing. Um, no matter, you know, don't, don't wait until like, you know, you're, um, if you can't, if you're stuck, like for like, let's say you're stuck for an ending, don't use that as an excuse to, not right you know um even if like you haven't really even fleshed out the idea or you have a scene that sits in the middle of the story but you don't know the beginning and the end just write that <laughs> you know what i mean um you know that's tj's right that's the, absolutely the best advice and you know to be honest i'm not even um when it comes to writing habits i'm not even the best writer <laughs> when it comes to writing habits you know they say you should write every day i do not write every day (laughs) like say oh before you begin your story you should outline everything i do not always outline everything (laughs) you know it's like all the things that they tell you to do you know a lot of times i don't do it but the one thing i do is i i I just start writing (laughs) you know i'll just start writing Um, yeah. yeah so like you know and then then, of course, you know, the more you write, the more you pick up better habits. Or, you know what, you'll even figure out, you know, what works for you because, you know, they, they say you should write every day, which, you know, is probably true. <laughs> but, you know, it might, not, it might be not be your thing, you know. Um, maybe you're better writing it every other day or maybe you're better writing, like, on Saturdays and Sundays at, like, five-hour blocks at a time. Boom, boom. Right? Um so, yeah, um, you know, you gotta, you know, you just gotta understand yourself, what feels comfortable with you. Um, don't feel like you'll hear all this advice, like I said, you know, all the different advice that they tell you that how you should, um, how you should write or what you should do. And, you know, it's all great advice, um, cause I've, I've heard them all and, you know, they're, they're true. You know, like some, they'll say, you know, make sure you find a space that, that's comfortable and that you can write and that, you know, helps you, um, uh, trigger the writing process um, quickly 
And so um, things like that. But at the same time, you know, um, don't kick yourself in the ass because you you haven't done that. You know, don't get down on yourself because you're not writing every day. You know, um, just start writing and write as, you know, as much as you can and then start from there. Because um, I think, you know, a lot of times people, they'll, um, they have certain expectations from, you know, what they've read or, um, or from themselves as to what they should be doing to call themselves a writer, you know, but, you know, you just need to start writing. You don't, don't let those expectations kind of deter you from actually writing. Don't like, don't, you know, get into this, this negative cycle of like, I want to write, but I'm not writing or I'm not doing this. And, uh, you know, and then, and then don't write, right. <laughs> Cause you're, yeah. you're, you're getting down on yourself. So um, just avoid the cycle by just acknowledging that, you know, you're, you're figuring things out, you know, as you're going along, um, trying to get comfortable with what you're doing. And then, you know, um, once you get there, um, you'll figure out what works for you, you know, um, and and then you, you, you'll, you'll see. You'll, once you start writing um, regularly, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be every day, but just regularly, um, then you'll figure out, like, what works for you. And then you, you won't be so so hard on yourself as to, you know, like, hey, you know, I should be doing this and I should be doing that, but I'm not doing it, so I'm not gonna write, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just 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 write and don't don't be yeah. hard on yourself. Just start. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Yeah. All right. So you got anything else, Vic? Uh, dang, I think I think we hit a lot of a lot of great points. Um, uh, I'll I'll say uh, once again. Um, uh, where where can we find uh, y- y'all's y'all's work? And uh, if there's anything y'all want to plug, please tell plug me. it away. Yeah, tell the good people where they can find y'all stuff. Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, we still got the Kickstarter campaign going on. It's gonna end in a few hours, and you can support the Kickstarter campaign by going to villainous.com. That's V-I-L-L-A-I-N-U-S. Dot com. It takes you straight to the Kickstarter page, and you can support us there. If you're on social media, you can go to Villainous Comic, follow us at Villainous Comic, and the link is there in our profile page. And um, my personal uh, social media handle is Dream Fury Comics. That's D-R-E-A-M-F-U-R-Y Comics across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Nice. All right. Yeah, and um, yeah, perfect timing, guys, to to get everything Ray Comics and Dream Fury Comics is this Kickstarter. Villainous.com, V-I-L-L-A-N-U-S.com, takes you right to the Kickstarter page. We've got digitals. We've got prints. It's an 80-page graphic novel. It's an absolutely incredible cyberpunk noir story. You're going to love this. So check it out before it ends in the next few hours. Um, and if you want to check out Ray Comics stuff or you want to you know, ask me some questions offline, um, at Ray Comics everywhere, at R-A-E Comics on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, TikTok. No, I'm not on those. <laughs> yeah. but, don't, don't, don't go down that scene, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but thank you, guys. Appreciate you having us on. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. Anytime. The door is always welcome to you. Welcome to both of you guys now. So, 
we'll be definitely be doing some uh, future episodes regarding anything that we do. Very cool, yeah. Thank Thanks you, John. Appreciate you yeah. both, and thank you for the time and everybody who took some time to listen as well. Yep. Thank all you right. to all our supporters who got us this far, man. We love you guys. All right. All right. All right. Thank, thank you, gentlemen. Yep. Let's do this again. Bye, guys. All right. All right. Peace, y'all. Peace. Yep. That's fine. All right. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. And just once again, um, I'll just put that uh, on there for the the good viewers. The Kickstarter page, Villainous, a cyberpunk noir graphic novel. Definitely contribute. I already Um, did. Yeah. I'm I'm, going to do so Uh, (laughs) right right after this. Seriously, because, you know, I had some other stuff but i'm gonna get on that because i'm really interested in this story um because i'm always i'm always i'm always down for some cyberpunk stuff um yeah no oh god you hear the way you jones about blade runner <laughs> oh my god blade runner 2049 yeah <laughs> if you see blade if you see blade runner that reminds me I, I i gotta get i gotta get the original blade runner on on 4k ultra hd oh jesus i gotta get that because if you see blade runner 2049 on a 4k ultra hd oh, disc on Oh man! Listen. Oh no! Don't even do it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Clean up on aisle four. Oh, Jesus! Clean up on aisle four. That's all I gotta say. I gotta say, non-stick panel. I gotta give you that. But anyway, <laughs> I know. But yeah. Um. But I'll tell you what's not disgusting. Please get yourselves some Silk City hot sauce. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Shout big shout out to our sponsor, but I do wanted to make sure I it is on a somber note. Um, I did yeah. wanted to make sure that we do uh, shout these out. We lost uh, two greats over the past few days. Uh, one starting with William Hurt, a longtime actor, mm-hmm. and um, you know Thunderbolt Ross, who played Thunderbolt Ross in the uh, MCU, which I was like really, which I'm really sad about because yeah. we was gonna get Red Hulk. Yeah, it was hinted in Black Widow. I'm like, oh, Red Hulk's coming. So yeah, um, yeah, William Hurt. Yeah, he. Yeah, we're gonna get him in uh, as Red Hulk, and yeah, he was a terrific actor. Like, oh, absolutely. Um, like if like, like if you're if you if you if you want to get into some William Hurt films, I do recommend a few. Um, there's definitely um, uh, a few that I they I recommend. One is uh, Body Heat with him and Kathleen Turner. That was really good. Um, Kiss of the Spider Woman with Raul Julia. Uh, that was great. You already said Raul Julia. Oh, yep. Uh, William Hurt actually won an Oscar for Best Actor for that movie. Really? Yep. Um, what else? Broadcast News. That's actually one of my favorite movies of his, uh, with Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks. Um, and also he was in he was in a bunch of other ones. Oh, um, History of Violence. He was in the I believe he was in the third season of Damages. That that show on FX with uh, Glenn Close and Rose Byrne. Yeah, man, t- tremendous actor. Um, yeah, seventy-one years of age. You know. You know, I still I still say gone too soon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Another one that's gone too soon, and oh man, Scott Hall. Oh man, that that hurt. Like the wrestling community is hurting, but I love the fact that like so many people are just showing love, like every, from everywhere, even people who are not even watching wrestling anymore. Like yeah. they're showing they're showing so much love. I remember. I mean, he literally was a white guy. Mm. Who was doing a bad Scarface impression, mm. and the hood loved him. They embraced him with open arms. Yeah, like like you, you talk about somebody who took who took the Tony Montana 
uh, character and truly made it his own. Yeah. And and it helped that Vince McMahon didn't watch movies, so he didn't know that he was ripping off. <laughs> yeah, well, well, and then what's comfortable is it's like he just he just made it so cool to be the bad guy. So then when yeah. he jumped over to WCW when they formed the NWO, he was the one like who truly gave the NWO their swag. Where like everybody was throwing up the Wolfpack sign. Just yep. And when he would say, "Hey yo, hey yo, yep," did you come here to watch WCW? Yeah, yeah. Did you come to watch the NWO? Survey says one more for the good guys. That was Scott Hall. Oh man, gone definitely gone too soon. Um, just a true pioneer in the wrestling business. So, yeah, both both individuals, both legends, you will be missed. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace to two two innovators yes. uh, in their respective fields. Um, yeah, William Hurt and Scott Hall. Um, also another also another note. Um, you know, send send your well wishes to Big E. You know who <sighs> suffer who suffered a almost near catastrophic neck injury. Yeah, yeah. And what's crazy is like he's still smiling. Yeah, even though it's it's possible it could be a career ender. I hope not. Yeah, he said. Yeah, he said that he won't. He won't need surgery. So. Yeah. So that's a promising sign, but. Oof. Scary. Yeah. It was very scary. So yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's go. Let's end on a positive note. Silk City Hot Sauce. Uh, yeah. You can find us everywhere. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, Facebook. Obviously, thank you for watching. Uh, Twitter at Codex Prime Cast. Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast. Um, you can find our ep- episodes on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. Um, yeah, yeah, we are at, we are everywhere. Yeah, we're we're pretty much everywhere. Um, and also, uh, you know, I think you mentioned all the social media stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, lastly, just to end on a fun note. We actually got some viewer email. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So I got to read this uh, before, we, before we head out. And shout outs to a good friend of the show, the supervillain himself. John Haponic. John Haponic for giving us the first ever uh, um, viewer email of 2022 and the first viewer email of, like, I don't know how many years. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time, but, sure. but we're going to read it here. Uh, John Aponic, uh reads, um, subject line reads, I already miss Batfleck. Oh, um, okay, so it reads, uh, Hey, fellas, I am guilty of not seeing the Batman yet, but as I said with my Black Widow email, I still prefer the home cinema experience and don't mind waiting until April to watch it on HBO. Nice. Without question, I do not miss hearing people cheer at the screen or providing 8th grade level commentary, even though I'm probably taking both areas too personally. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, I'm still disappointed we never got a Batfleck solo film. His plans to include Deathstroke and carry a similar mystery theme in solving murders sounded fantastic. The BVS warehouse fight hinted at the possibilities. Despite Snyder turning him into a raging lunatic, I enjoyed how Affleck portrayed Bruce Wayne. I'm sure Robert Pattinson will be great, he is, and the movie should be entertaining enough, but I can't help but wonder if Affleck could have created another Gone Baby Gone or Argo suspenseful film being the director and star. 
odds are likely you're still gushing about Batman being better than the majority of Marvel films, if not all of them, it is. Wrong. I wonder why the character separates itself from those other films. Still your original supervillain, John Haponic. P.S. Peacemaker rocked, and it opens the door to endless possibilities with DCEU expansion, especially if they move forward with GCPD, Gotham City Police Department, by using Batman villains we don't normally get to see, can't wait for Batgirl next, and PPS, another actor who could play Victor in a movie would be Roger Jean Page from Bridgerton. I still like the Jeffrey Wright pick, though. Nice. Um, I need to... I need you to spell that out for me just so I can look him up. Yeah, it's uh, R-E-G-E dash John, J-E-A-N, page. Uh, yeah. Not, not a bad pick. Okay. Yeah, I can see him playing me. <laughs> I can see him playing playing Victor Omoyo in a movie. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you for your, uh, for, for your viewer email, John. And yes, um... Um, if uh, the Batman is is appearing soon on H- HBO Max, it will be. Yo, please see it. I want to. I want to know what you think, John. Um, yes, it is better than all the MCU films. That's Wrong. That's 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 what goes no, it's not. Saying. No, it's but, not. Um, nope. But yeah, uh, we will uh, we will be on the lookout for your review of that. Uh, as always, we, as always, thank you all for watching and listening. Big shout outs to our guests, uh, T.J. Sterling and Newton uh, Lillebois. Um, we, we can't wait to have y'all back here again. Um, I'm gonna. I will contribute to the Kickstarter so I can get myself some some villainous action. Um, also, uh, next week more more Codex Prime goodness. We'll we'll, we'll have something to talk about. Um, let me see. I got my. Oh, speaking of which, uh, next week I'll get into some Criterions uh, uh, that I got. Really, it's not even July. Well, last week was a was a 24 hour flash sale. Oh Jesus. <laughs> okay. I gotta tell you something, man. When I saw that, when I saw that page at work, oh god, we're gonna have to order some new carpets for my office. That's disgusting. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> People step on them things, man. Carpet fibers are less sticky nowadays. But anyway, right. uh, on that note, uh, we will catch you on the flip. Thank y'all for watching and listening. Uh, as always, we'll catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later, Bonnie Strong.